LastPass hack. How bad is it? Spoiler alert, pretty bad. Hackers breached T-Mobile a lot in 2022, like more than the Village Bicycle. Don't pay for Netflix 4K. Maybe NVIDIA can help. News Corp hacked. Volkswagen needs a Dalmaschelle. I don't know how to say that. It's German for slap in the face. And uh, do we have a bonus story this week? Maybe. It's Wednesday, March 1st, and this is The Brew House. All right, so LastPass apparently has figured out how they were breached back in August. However, the... The actual breach lasted from August 12th to October 26th. Uh, Security Week is reporting that the the threat actor used a um, keylogger installed on a DevOps engineer's home machine, and he was targeted to get around the security mitigation. So they were able to get the master password for LastPass in order to log in to it. And once the once the user used their multi-factor, whether it be YubiKey or Google Auth or whatever. The bad actor wouldn't have access to that. Once he unlocked that, the the DevOps unlocked it. That that gave the the guy full access to uh, LastPass's encrypted notes, all their passwords, everything. They had it all, and uh, they basically used that to get into the AWS S3 LastPass production backups and the cloud storage and some um, critical database backups, and. LastPass, basically with the help of Mandy, improved this. I have some things to say about this. I think it's weird or unusual or stupid to install the LastPass core information, the core whatever. I agree to use LastPass. Well, why would you install it on a home computer? They should be running their own stuff. It's sort of like Hack 101. Don't have a VPN from your office. Don't have like an IPsec tunnel from your office to your house. That's a dumb idea because if something in your house, your kid's Xbox or something gets hacked or broke into, they potentially have access, if your network's not built correctly, to all of the work stuff. And they could use your home network kind of as a home base for attack, undetectable to the office. I mean, most home networks, they allow crap devices on. And who's who in their right mind is segmenting their cameras and their doorbell and everything else on a different network. No, they dump it all on the same network. All that stuff talks to China, everywhere else, and there's no control. When it comes to encryption keys and everything else, it needs to live on work devices. That device only gets access to work and the work devices and anything else that's related to your job, such as coding and or anything else that you would need to do in order to do your job lives on your device. It doesn't live on some personal laptop, on some personal desktop. It doesn't it doesn't belong there. It doesn't belong on a non-company phone. It just doesn't belong. So the the I guess the the rundown LastPass is being stupid here and they're being being crazy with their security or lack of security. And I think that that really needs to be looked into and I think that that is the actual problem with the LastPass dump is they didn't have enough control over their own data that gave somebody access to everything. It's a, it's a, it's a big problem and I don't know how they're going to rectify it. Okay. Now, um, hackers have claimed to breach T-Mobile more than a hundred times in 2022. Now that seems like a really big number, like a, like a big number. 
And uh, I found it interesting why why they're doing it. So there's a there's apparently a um, Telegram group that is shared with a bunch of people that want to do sim swapping. So sim swapping, we've talked about it on the show before, is where I can take your your phone number and assign it to a different sim ID. So that allows me to just get your phone, your phone plan, everything onto my phone. A lot of times this is used in cryptocurrency or any type of SMS-based authentication. So if I want to get into your Google account or if I want to get into your Coinbase or whatever, I need to SIM swap because I need to get that text message to me. So the way that they did the, did this is kind of good. I mean, it's a, it was an interesting thing. So they they convince uh, the, the, the technician that they're, or the, the, the customer service representative, that they're a technician that works at T-Mobile and they get the person to go to a non-T-Mobile site, but looks like a T-Mobile site and enter their login credentials to the customer service portal that allows them to do the SIM swap and all that other stuff that allows them to take that phone number and move that phone number over to another SIM. It's pretty, pretty good. And the way they're doing it is with underage kids. So people under 18 are actually doing the SIM swapping. So they can't really go to jail for that. You know, they get lower penalties and Apparently, it's not that hard to convince the T-Mobile people to do it. And in this inside this Telegram channel, they they mark if the T-Mobile access is up or down. They even have brokers in the middle, escrow brokers in the middle. You send the money to, and once the SIM has been swapped and you've got your job done, then the money gets paid to the bro- to the person that actually did the the SIM swap. It's pretty ingenious, and I think it's a it's a crazy uh, system to make money and probably worth a lot of money. They're, they're costing around $1,000 to $1,500 um, for a T-Mobile swap. Interestingly, AT&T and Verizon and other carriers uh, appear to cost more, maybe double that, because they don't suffer from the same problem that uh, T-Mobile is. What, I, what else I find interesting here is that, it, you know, you, we're supposed to have the PIN number to be able to verify the account so that way we can actually see the account. Uh, that's where we think, right? We think that they're locked up. They basically can, can't see anything in our account unless we give them that number. Well, apparently at least with T-Mobile, that's not true. I'm sure there is that secret pin number or code word or whatever, but it's up to the, it's up to the representative to say yes or no. Cause I might call in and say, Oh, I don't remember my number and blah, blah, blah. But here it's interesting that it seems that they can see the account. They can get into the account. They can do all of those things without having to know the pin code. It could be that even AT&T and Verizon, those guys require the pin number in order to see the account. So I, I think that that's a, that's a, that's an easy fix for T-Mobile. Like I was, this is on Krebs, Krebs on security. And they're talking about how T-Mobile uh, employees should need a two factor auth in order to log in to the customer service portal. Sure. They probably should need a VPN too, if they're working from home, but the one thing that would fix it is, is it the only way to see the account is to enter the pin. That's it. Maybe higher up representatives can not, can enter a different code and they can see the account without the pin. But the first person, the first line of contact on the other, other end, these credentials that are getting stolen, they, they need to have that screen in front of them that says they can't get in and see anything unless they know the pin. So probably more on this to come. I mean, I don't see how this doesn't result in an FCC fine. Now that this is all public, um, there's even scripts online about how to trick um, trick the people from 
the 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 looks like it's coming from the IT department to the customer service. So it says, "Hello, this is James from Metro IT department. How's your day today?" "Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you?" "I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I'm calling in regards to a ticket we got last week from you guys saying you guys were having issues with network connectivity, which also interfered with Microsoft Edge not letting you sign in or disconnect randomly." We haven't uh, received any updates to this ticket ever since it was created. So that's why I'm calling, just to see if there's still an issue or not. And then they'll probably go into something like, hey, can you just run to this website quick and try to log in? And then once they've done that, boom, it's done. That's it. They have it. And if they're good, they'll say, oh, yep, everything looks good. Or they'll just let it log in no matter what, automatically, whatever. And 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 that's done. And if they can get off the phone call quietly, for that that account may be up for quite a while before T-Mobile actually catches it and tears it down. All right, NVIDIA's latest GPU drivers are going to make it so you maybe don't need to pay for uh, 4K Netflix. And I, I've seen the pictures here, and it's actually pretty good. So they're able to scale using AI a blurry image that uh, that looks incredible. We're looking at a, I'm looking at a split screen from YouTube here. The left is the blurry video. I think it's um, I don't know what game this is, some shooter game, but it's the the, it's like a 360p video up converted to to 1440p. I mean, it looks it looks great. 4K RTX super resolution. So it was a 1080p blurry video up to 4K RTX super resolution, and. I don't know. This this is pretty neat. Apparently, this has been available in the Shields for a while, but now it's actually coming to the RTX 30 and 40 series cards. So it's supposed to work in Chrome and Edge. Uh, it'll improve any video in a browser by sharpening the edges of the objects and reducing video artifacts. Pretty cool stuff, and I think that this is actually a really good use of AI to, to make your experience on the computer better. All right, News Corp, been hacked. Now, I knew that they were hacked, but they finally kind of came out and said, this is all the stuff that happened. So News Corp, who owns uh, New York Post, Wall Street Journal, Dow Jones, Market Watch, Fox News, Barron's, The Sun, and uh, the News UK British newspaper publisher and some others. Uh, basically, they got hacked in 2020, February 2020 and 2022. They gained access to business documents and emails uh, from a limited number of personnel accounts in our affected system, some of which contain personal information. Now, we can probably read between the lines here and say they got everything. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't just get a limited amount of information. They got it all because who stores all this information separately? If they got into the system that has the social security numbers, they got them all. <laughs> like, I know they're trying to soften the blow, but in, there's been so many breaches out there. And if you're online at all, you probably have had your information leaked. It's probably out there. And that unfortunately that's just the way it is. Uh, the, the, the things that were taken in the, in the breach, uh, names, data, subverse, social security numbers, driver's license numbers, passport numbers, financial account information, and medical and health insurance information. Okay. Yeah. There's some good stuff on here, like the passport and the driver's license and the social security number. You can probably become that person easier. But this is stuff that probably is already out there accidentally. Like I would say maybe your passport number might be the most hidden, but because the only place I give, well, that's probably not true. Everywhere I go in a foreign country, I have to give them my passport number. So if you've got a passport, you're probably giving your number up. But to have all the data in like one location probably is, uh, well, it's convenient for the people that are doing it. Uh, the cyber spies are linked to China. I guess the real problem here is that if you have any news reporters that 
aren't presenting as news reporters. They're just presenting as citizens or whatever else, kind of like spies or journalists or whatever. They know who to target. So if, if China wants to try to manipulate the news, they know the reporters that they need to work with. I don't know the right word for that, but work with to um, like make them report the news that they want to they want it reported that way. And by having their date of birth, social security number, driver's license number, and passport number, and financial account information, that sure makes it a whole lot easier. So this is another one that Mandy assisted with um, to figure out that China was involved. It's uh, it's too bad. I, didn't, I don't really have a lot to say about this, but, you know, it's a lot of news organizations. And, you know, news is kind of one of those things that is supposed to be a sacred thing. Like you can protect your sources, all of that, in order to make the news or to not make it, but to report on the news, you shouldn't be making the news. You should be reporting on the news. All right. So VW uh, Volkswagen couldn't help locate a car with an abducted child in it because the GPS subscription expired. VW says it's car net service. Shouldn't have demanded $150 payment from the detective. Wow. I mean, the title of this one says it all. They tried, they, they, they knew this kid was in the car because the mother was thrown out of the car or whatever. I mean, she's actually in serious but stable condition at the hospital still. So they knew that this guy had the car with the toddler in the backseat, a two-year-old in the, in the backseat of the car. They call up to VW support and they said, well, here's what the detective uh, pleaded explaining the extremely exigent circumstances, but the representative didn't budge saying that the company policy saying it was company policy. And uh, the detective had to work out getting a credit card number and then call the representative back to pay the $150. And at the time, the representative provided the GPS location of the vehicle. Hmm. That's shitty. Uh, you know, we're people. People are people. And we're, we should help people, no matter what. 150 bucks to save a, to save a two-year-old? Yeah, I mean, I'd pay more than that. But VW should be willing to... Yes, I will do it right now. Do not hang up the phone. I'm going to get you those GPS coordinates. It, this is this is insanity. Now, of course, VW admits that it was a problem. So I guess that's a good start. Um, and then, of course, they provide an example of where they've done this and they've done it correctly and, and all of that, you know, to try to save face. The child was um, unharmed and, you know, he's fine. But... VW, this is this is just a awful awful thing, and you know it, apparently it's a new car because it was a it was the trial period for this um, GPS. I've often wondered when you buy a new vehicle, why not wrap all of the services into whatever the warranty is? So if you have a three year warranty or a five year warranty or whatever you, the warranty of the car is, why not wrap all those services in? Or why not? Why not wrap it into the term of the loan payment? So if you've got a three-year loan or five-year loan, I think they give seven-year loans now. Why not wrap all the services into that? Because they're already paying for it with the loan. And then at the end of it, if they decide to keep the car longer, they're probably going to re-up the services because they're used to using them. I, I don't. I've never understood that. I've always thought that that was crazy and stupid. Like thirty days isn't enough to get hooked on Cirrus. You need you need a year on Cirrus where you're listening to whatever channel you like to listen to, and then all of a sudden. Oh, your subscription's going to expire. It's a hard split, but 30 days, who cares? So anyways, um, they actually found the kid before they were able to get uh, the GPS coordinates. So they ended up being worthless. 
but they also could have saved the kids, the kid 30 minutes earlier. So VW, shame on you. This is a big problem for me. All right, we have a bonus story, and I think you're going to love it. Is the Domino's tracker real? It's been a question of our time. How is it that they can be so accurate on this Domino's tracker? Well, today I am happy to say the mystery is solved. So this person named Shannon Morris, or at Snubs, S-N-U-B-S on Twitter, is reporting that uh, it is not fake. It is real. It's it's run basically through a series of timed stuff. So when you make the pizza, you hit the button. When you put the pizza in the oven, you hit the button. The pizza run the oven runs at the same speed, so it knows when the pizza's out of the oven. The quality control point of the 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 quality check is basically uh, the guy slicing it into slices, and then out for delivery is when they hand it to the person. I mean it. it's another button to hit. Now it doesn't mean that it can't be manipulated or it doesn't mean if your order is made wrong, they can't basically the tracker can't be reset back to the beginning. So your order might be stuck in quality check, but it's actually being remade because it's wrong. Also, it can be controlled by a computer. So really there's only two times that the tracker is hundred percent accurate. One is when the manager is on duty the right manager's on duty. And two, it's when corporate's in. <laughs> so is the Domino's tracker real? The answer is yes. Is it manipulatable? <laughs> the answer is also yes. So that's what I have for today. I hope you all have a great Wednesday. We'll see you next week.